Thank you for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the emergency medicine podcast recorded at Dream, Queen's Medical Centre, Nottingham. In this episode, we'll be discussing seizure. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording. Any guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospital's NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. Hello, my name's Jamie. I'm one of the teaching fellows in emergency medicine. Hello, I'm Stephen. I'm one of the uh, SC4s in emergency medicine and I used to be a teaching fellow. Okay. Welcome, Stephen. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, seizures. Uh, seizures as a general topic and um, some of the, uh, the management, investigation, history taking therein. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose start with the, the, the simple definition first, Stephen. Uh, what is a seizure? You know, you say it, the simple definition. This is the, the thing that took me the longest <laughs> sort of to actually find out. And well, yeah. <laughs> and try and decide what actually it, wanted my simple definition of a seizure to it's be. It's a bit like love. You know it when you see it, but it's hard to define. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? And I think, I think probably most people have got in their mind an idea of what a seizure looks like. Um, you know, the patient's unconscious. There's some strange shaky movements going on. Um, and they're usually a bit sleepy afterwards. Um, I did try and get the sort of the textbook definition down. I looked through the NICE guidelines, the Oxford Handbook, uh, our local guidelines, nothing, not a single definition Obviously, yeah. in all of those. So I went for, I went for you know, old reliable Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> a brief episode of signs or symptoms due to abnormal, excessive or synchronous neuronal activity in the brain. So they are, it's your, your neurons in your brain firing a bit uh, wildly um, and uh, resulting uh, funky movements going on. Okay. The university does not endorse Wikipedia as a, a primary source of information gathering. Or probably the uh, the word funky movements either. Um, to be, to, I did look at where uh, Wikipedia got its definition from and it was from the, um, I think, Society Against Epilepsy, which I like. I think if you're going to have a society to name it, we are against this disease. There we are not for it. We are against epilepsy. The League Against Epilepsy, that's what it was called, so there we go. Against Epilepsy? I think it's, it's worth, reminding, uh, worth, worth, worth remembering that there are lots of different types of seizure. Mm. Um, so broadly speaking, um, there's generalised seizures, so that's uh, the ones affecting the whole body. Mm. Uh, that includes your yeah, absent seizures, so that's the, the, particularly in kids, they're just sort of unconscious for a moment, perhaps they stop mid-sentence, go blank, come back a few seconds later, not mm. even aware that it's happened. Um, and then there's the probably the ones we know the best, uh, the tonic-clonic generalised, mm. used to be called grand mal seizures. Um, yeah, uh, where you'll, you'll be post-ictal for a while afterwards, you'll be a bit sleepy. Uh, then there's the partial seizures, which uh, supposedly it's the electrical activity going on in just one part of the brain, so um, the movements, the, the symptoms will just be one part of the body. Worth remembering they can be motor, so that's what we'd expect, you know, just one arm twitching, the person might even be conscious during that. Uh, they can also be sensory, so they might see visual um, sort of flashing lights, they might hear things. Mm. Deja vu, supposedly, uh, can be part of a, a mm. partial sensory seizure. Okay, um, so for the for purposes of this podcast, we'll, we'll focus probably more on those, the, the motor symptoms of a seizure, and, and in particular that uh, generalised tonic-clonic seizure, so yeah. I think that's probably the thing that comes into most people's minds anyway, the yeah. shaking on the floor, the rigid arms, the throttling mouth, tongue biting, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so, you know, we'll be doing another podcast on collapse query calls, mm-hmm. um, but uh, from this, of which seizure can obviously come under. Um, but say, you know, you're working in A&E, uh, the next patient to be seen, you've just clicked on and has been booked in as query seizure. That's all that the clerking says. Sure. You're on your way over to see them in the bay. Um, 
to resolve seizure, uh, query seizure, mm -hmm. you're on your way to see them in the bay. Uh, what's going through your head? What's your approach going to be for that patient? So other than can I sort of find something to do for five minutes until it's another <laughs> patient like this, the next one to be seen and uh, another unsuspecting SHO has got hold on? No, I, I never do that. I'm a professional and I'm now a middle grade. Um, <laughs> so my, yeah, my approach in general is that, I mean, I, it sounds like a cliche and it's something I always roll my eyes at when I hear other people say, um, but I really do think it's, uh, it's particularly true of seizures that history and examination is, is probably 80-90% of it. Mm. Uh, it's all about finding out exactly what happened. Mm. Um, I think uh, another part of the approach is just to have that healthy scepticism in your mind, just mm. like when you sort of, you know, rather than just accepting, okay, seizure, right, I'm in my mind, okay, I'm going through, I'm, d I'm either deciding, you know, this or that, you know, it's, it's a case of was this episode even a, even a seizure um, have a differential in your mind I mean I, I always think you know when people tell you to have have high indexes of suspicion and and uh, don't believe all these things then I worry that you can get yourself in sort of like tie yourself in knots with a mental straitjacket just like I can't believe anything what is he what even is the nature of reality and stuff but you know it's just that idea that okay was it definitely a seizure am I convinced it was a seizure from from the history I'm getting and um, could it have been some of the other things that I know can to, to the general public look like seizures so things like TIAs you've mentioned syncope which I'm sure you'll chat more about in collapse query calls and uh, uh, cardiac syncope um, that kind of thing mm. and um, I find so there the, the, the collateral history is incredibly important to mm. sort of differentiate between you know the patient might just say yeah I, I blacked out I'm not sure what happened mm. and then it's where was there anybody present with them and, and what did they see, um, you know, and, and getting away perhaps from words like they were having a seizure to what did you actually see? What did yeah. they look like? What was going on? Yeah, no, I think that's really important. I think, um, yeah, people use the word fit, people use the word seizures. Um, it's something that's definitely got into uh, to, um, common language. Um, so, yeah, just, just trying to sort of get people down to what actually happened, what did you physically do? That's mm. a great point. And I think, I think you know, as you... We live in the age of, of uh, everyone having mobile phones, perhaps even having cameras on their phones. Mm. So uh, I suspect more and more we might even have uh, have film of the footage mm. of the sort of the um, the episode if we're if we're lucky. Mm. A prescient-minded person, but definitely you know if, even if they've not come with a person, uh, get get a mobile number, phone them up, and say what did you actually see, what actually happened? Because yeah, as we've said, eighty percent history I think in uh, in seizures. Mm. So I suppose um, with that healthy scepticism in your mind, mm -hmm. um, what are those key questions that you're going to ask, or, or if the case of you know somebody listening here who's going to be in F1 um, soon, um, you know if they're working with you, clerking this patient, what are those key questions that you want them to have asked that, that point towards a seizure? Sure. Uh, so the way I think about all these kind of sort of episodes, something that's happened, I think a nice way of breaking down um, what to ask is to think about it in terms of what happened before, mm. what happened during, uh, and what happened after. Mm. Um, so thinking about before, even you know for the last few days, have they been ill today or had a fever the last few days? Have they hit their head just before? What were they doing at the time? We're thinking about triggers. That's often a really important thing in, in epilepsy is what, what's triggered the event. Is it because they've got to the end of the day and they're really tired? Were they watching TV? Were they in a disco with strobe lights? You know, those, those kind of things. Uh, did they have any warning signs? Um, a lot of patients who get seizures will have some kind of oral visual disturbances. Mm. Um, vasovagal syncope, sorry to go back to that, they've, uh, they always have a, should always have a prodrome. I'm very suspicious of any sort of syncope that doesn't have a prodrome. And the patients who have no warning signs at all are um, starting to think, oh, perhaps possibly even a cardiac event. Um, related to that, do they have chest pain or palpitations? Mm. Uh, is this definitely their first episode? I mean, mm. 
I'm going to talk about sort of the known epileptic versus the the person who's not uh, known to have a, a se have seizures. Um, but I did one pa one paper I read um, had the number at fifty percent of first fits actually of undiagnosed partial seizures. If you sort of go back into it, you know, if you say, have you ever had a kind of a, mm. a strange feeling, a deja okay. vu, uh, auditory hallucinations, uh, <laughs> or uh, a, you know, myoclonic uh, myoclonic jerks, you know, where your arm just suddenly flies up out of, mm. uh, out of nowhere. So uh, quite a lot uh, might have had something that they thought nothing of at the time uh, that that was actually a fit. Uh, so then there's, there's during, as we said, that will probably come from a witness. Um, so did they lose consciousness? Were they moving? What did it look like? Mm. Did the seizure change as it went on? Um, mm. So perhaps it started in just one arm and then, and then developed into a, a full-blown tonic-clonic seizure. Um, how long did it last for? Uh, tongue biting and incontinence? I think that's a really useful thing to ask. I mean, there's not supposed to be one thing that definitely says yes or no to was this a seizure mm. but I'd go with tongue biting as being almost there like if they've bitten their tongue to me yeah most likely to be a seizure if they've been incontinent mm. um, I'm thinking much more likely to be a seizure um, and uh, yeah <laughs> yeah I suppose it's also important to remember some things can appear especially to a lay person to be sort of a, a, a like a seizure so mm. um your your patient who may be having a vasovagal who maybe is only sat still sat up so mm. they've not collapsed properly their brain mm. still may not being perfused properly they may mm. lose consciousness and there may be some twitching because there's a degree of cerebral hypoxia yeah and so th that might mask and, and, and appear as a seizure as opposed to what its true cause is yeah sure I suspect that you know the tonic clonic will be very rhythmical it mm. will probably be a lot more prolonged rather than you know the odd twitch Mm. Um, so that's uh, I think really good to sort of really sort of key in on that details like when, when you're saying they were twitching are we talking about two or three little twitches are we mm. talking about you know going for it sort of you know in a good minute that if you were actively physically doing that yourself you would be really really tired and have muscle fatigues afterwards mm -hmm. uh, so yeah we said we've done before said during and then afterwards so how long did it take for them to wake up um, unless it's an absence seizure I expect there to be a post-ictal period where the patient's confused and drowsy um, and that postictal thing is a very important part of it, isn't it? The, yeah. the postictal phase. Absolutely. Uh, and then have they had? Is this genuinely just one seizure? You know, have they had a seizure, stopped seizing for a while, and then had another seizure, which you know may all seem like one episode, but I think that's I'm a, I'm a lot more worried about mm. um, something more sinister going on if I've had two seizures back to back without waking up than if I've had just one very nice, clearly defined episode. Mm. And it's, I suppose, worth remembering that that, that post-ictal phase, um, that confusion following a seizure, mm. can last quite a while, can't it, uh, before full recovery? I'm expecting at least, you know, five, ten minutes, I think, I would mm. say, um, if, it, if it's only a minute or so. You know, I find that when I'm taking my history from someone who's got a story that makes me think much more uh, of vasovagal syncope, often they will say they're a bit confused and disorientated after they, they came mm. to. So then my follow-up question is, and how long did that last? And mm. again, trying to be open rather than leading, rather than go, but that didn't last more than a minute, did it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, um, so, you know, and if they say, yeah, no, within sort of 30 seconds, I was, I was mm. back to normal and I knew where I was um, mm. and uh, I was awake mm. and feeling as I do now, then I'm a bit suspicious. Was this really mm. a seizure? Mm. Um, if, you know, if it did take them 10, 20, 10, 20 minutes to wake up, Mm. Uh, and they're always a bit confused, always a bit groggy, mm. only back to normal after 30 minutes, say, then I'm, I'm fairly convinced this is probably a, a genuine seizure that I'm dealing with. Yeah, I mean, these, when I've seen patients presenting like this, the 
they you know they don't remember the event they felt well then the next thing they know they're in with the ambulance crew or they're with they're here in hospital and the, the recollection just isn't there and mm. um it's you know can be quite a challenging confusion as well that postictal phase yeah. they could be lashing out trying to sit up yeah. you know it's a real difficult period sometimes if you've not had a day where someone's tried to hear you you've not had a proper A&E shift obviously. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a big part of, the, of that patient group isn't it <laughs> okay um, so I mean, those are the sort of questions we get what what um, key investigations are we going to get for our patient I don't think that sadly there's not one test that tells me you know mm. this was a seizure this wasn't a seizure um, I think probably the thing that guides most of our investigation is is what could be the cause of the seizure um, so I think it's worth having that kind of, um, so we've talked about having a differential diagnosis in your mind, also worth having a what possible cause might I find for this seizure, and mm. that's probably uh, where your investigations are really going to uh, kick in to help you. Um, I remember being asked this once in a, an interview for, uh, for, I was actually going for anaesthetics at the time, uh, and it, my mind went completely blank, <laughs> and uh, bless them, the interviews were just like, okay, so you've said epilepsy any other causes of seizure at all and just you know I was like oh I really can't think of anything so I, I think it's always useful to have a structure in your mind for, for anything any, whenever you're thinking like these through these kind of things trying to be systematic trying to mm-hmm. help you for, for those moments when your mind does go blank uh, I personally use uh, the acronym uh, vitamin CDEF for a sort of surgical sieve type approach mm-hmm. um, so and it doesn't take long to think through the, some different causes of seizures there so B for vascular thinking of strokes, so I'm looking at do they have any neurology uh, at, the, at the time. Uh, infective, so I'm thinking of meningitis, encephalitis, so obviously my full blood count's going to be useful there, other inflammatory markers. Um, trauma, so that a lot of that's going to come from history and examination again, um, but definitely a CT head in that context. Um, if there's autoimmune, I can't really think of any. Uh, M for metabolic, so I think that's a really important one. Uh, uremia is a good cause of seizures, so if they've got an acute uh, kidney injury, they might be uremic and that might be causing seizures. And glucose. And glucose, yeah. Other electrolyte imbalances, uh, various as- causes of acidosis, they can all, all cause seizures. So I think using ease, calcium, magnesium, glucose, as you said, to ABC, don't ever forget glucose. Mm-hmm. Um, neoplastic, again, that's probably going to come back to CT head, which I think we're going to chat about later. Mm. Um, C for congenital or for cardiac, so an ECG, that's again thinking about some of our diff- having a differential diagnosis. So I'd say everyone who comes in with a seizure needs an ECG just to look for uh, any signs that this could be could have been a cardiac arrhythmia mm. uh, and perhaps any sort of seizure type activity activity mm. whether it was a seizure or not or just some jerking could be because of uh, brain hypoxia as you've kind of hinted at earlier and you're really looking at that ECG isn't it it's not just looking for signs of ischemia you're looking yeah. for the PR interval you're looking at the QTC aren't you Absolutely. you're really uh, interrogating that ECG yeah it does, you, you spend you kind of go through phases don't you when you first start looking at ECGs you're nice and systematic and yeah. I think you reach a sweet spot where you're just like I'm looking for ST elevation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then sadly you start to become a middle grade again and you're not allowed to just look at the lateral <laughs> chest leads and see if there's ST elevation. You have to start looking through systematically again. And I think seizures are good, uh, are good when you're thinking of query seizure. Absolutely, as you say, long. Uh, look at, take, take the time, do it systematically. Think about what, what kind of things you're looking for, prolonged QTs, um, PR intervals, everything as you've said. Uh, I think a VBG is very useful. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't even get all through. Yeah, so g- g- carrying on through my surgery. So, uh, D um, for degenerative, I can't think of anything, but endocrine, um, you might get some initial clues from the metabolic tests, but mm. we're thinking of a thyroid storm, that was another one I could think of, that's mm. a cause of seizures. 
and then functional that's probably going to come from the history and and seeing seizure yourself if, if you do but i would i would we we can't diagnose a functional seizure as that's not an ed diagnosis is it so i think that's an important thing to absolutely and you know yeah 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 can't <laughs> can't can't add to that can't so it's not our job to diagnose functional seizures i agree um i think the bbg is very useful we've talked about glucose most uh, uh, blood gas machines will give you a glucose um, that rules out the hypoglycemia as a cause of the seizure or as a differential um, and lactate as well is going to be quite useful uh, again not not 100% and it depends how soon after the seizure you've mm -hmm. got but if you know if your muscles have been working as hard as they have to for all that tonic clonic activity then you'd expect to see a raised lactate mm. um, and, uh, and it can be very raised can't it, it can be quite alarming you, you in another patient you think this patient's yeah, really poorly. I had 11.7 at the weekend. So that's so that was quite a, quite a fun one. That's sporting. But it's also worth thinking rather than just going, ah, oh, raised lactate, it's because of a seizure. You know, we've talked about meningitis, but also mm. even just sepsis in general could be mm. a, a cause of the seizure. So uh, don't just kind of write off a raised lactate mm. as, oh, it's just the seizure. Mm. You know, it might be worth repeating. Think about the fever. Do they have any other things that make you think of sepsis? Mm. Um, you know, that lactate could be something else other than the seizure. Mm. And a blood gas will also tell you sodium, won't it? So yep. hyponatremia, a, a seizure, and low GCS can be can be features of, of hyponatremia, which has its own challenges to uh, <laughs> to start management of. Okay, so I suppose it, it's kind of all of these tests. You're not going to diagnose an, an epileptic cause, but you're looking at the other things, I suppose, that it isn't, and the things that you can do something about. I mean, that's worth saying again that you know I, it's not our job to, to diagnose epilepsy in mm. the nurses' department in the acute in acute medicine, um, and I think that's that's important for a number of reasons. Not least just because epilepsy is quite a, a, a serious diagnosis with serious consequences, mm. and, and one that I imagine a lot of patients will be quite aware of how sort of the repercussions that could have. So, uh, if you're telling so, you know if someone asked you, "Do I have epilepsy?" or or uh, or um, you know is wanting to you've attempted to use the word epilepsy, I try and avoid it, you know, talk about seizures, maybe talk about fits, but, mm. but definitely don't give people the diagnosis of epilepsy. Mm. And NICE is quite clear that that needs to be done by a neurologist, by mm. someone that specialises in epilepsy. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's always important, I think, to remember the, how loaded some of our diagnoses, the stigma attached mm. to it, and, and also the, the implications. So like you said, so uh, um, driving, for instance, being one, certain jobs being another one. Um, so yeah, so... Um, I suppose we, we just need to we need to mention that uh, as well that uh, as part of our seizure history, yeah, um, alcohol use is very important, isn't? It? Yeah, absolutely. Part of your history. Do they are they a heavy drinker? Have they stopped drinking suddenly? You know, that's mm. uh, quite a common cause to, to have a seizure. Um, alcohol levels if they have if they have been drinking always mm. worth always a good thing to do. I think alcohol levels because rather you know you, you you're not just suppose they have got a subdural hematoma and you're just putting everything down to alcohol mm. and actually they've got no alcohol in their system then I think mm. you know it's a shaky you know then at least you, you know not to blame things mm. on alcohol and you you know to take sort of their neurology seriously so that's, mm. um, that's something I quite like to do is do a blood alcohol level but yeah as you say get that alcohol history mm -hmm. um, suggest high and, uh, and so that they you know, say so. So was it? Was it thirty points tonight? <laughs> yes, because we always like. If you, yeah, if you, of course, yeah. not. Twenty-two. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, uh, yeah, uh, that it, you cannot underestimate. I think uh, patients who have a high alcohol intake who will go cold turkey, mm. 
and who then present with alcohol seizures. It's something mm. I see quite a lot, and mm. we both see quite mm. a lot in A and E, um, and it can can kill. So it's important not to to uh, miss it and and spot those symptoms of alcohol withdrawal before they get to seizure as well in yeah. between. Um, so you know that would be agitation, wouldn't it? Uh, sweating, fever. Mm. Hallucinations as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, what? Do, so, what do we do if we have our patient who is known to have epilepsy? They've had a witnessed seizure. Um, they've recovered. They're GCS fifteen. They're feeling well. Mm-hmm. Bloods and everything else is fine. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? Yeah. Well, I think I think you've um, you've you started with some of that, Jamie. That you'd like that you still need to do bloods. I don't think mm. it's enough to just say, oh, epilepsy. You know. Who cares? That's they epileptics have seizures. Mm. Great. Um, I think I think it's still worth doing that ECG, doing that VBG, doing those uh, mm. electrolytes and and your full blood count. I don't think I don't and uh, I don't think there's any um, yeah there's any reason not to do those. Um, I think uh, we're thinking about um, levels. Um, so uh, drug levels. So what drugs do they take? Find mm. out what they're taking. Have they been taking them? Mm. And then you can do you can. Uh, most anti-epileptics will you'll be able to, to measure uh, their levels obviously it's going to vary around the country it's worth sort of finding out you can always ring up your lab and say you know I've got this weird anti-epileptic I've never heard of do you do levels for it and they'll mm. be able to tell you I think most uh, hospitals I've worked in will do valproate levels will do phenytoin levels will even do levetiseram capra <laughs> um, and lithium and and lithium yeah they will do, do all these levels so um, so mm. we're thinking about levels um, yeah, I mean, if it is a patient with known epilepsy, then I want to know if this is just part of life for them. Have they ended up in hospital because of an overkeen first aider and uh, a vicious <laughs> uh, paramedic? Uh, or am I a bit more worried about them? So has the seizure pattern changed at all? So it's good to know, like, what, what seizure, what, how, how often do you tend to have seizures? Have you mm. sort of, you know, they've, oh, I've not had a seizure for two years, but suddenly I've had five in the last week. Mm. You know, that's someone I'm a bit worried about. If it's someone who says, yeah, I have them probably like two or three times a month and this is my second uh, this month, then I'm I'm less worried. Mm. Um, are they becoming more frequent? Have they taken their medication? Um, I'd say, also, generally speaking, if someone's had more than one seizure a day, unless they can really convince me that this is their normal pattern, perhaps they've even got a neurology letter that says, yes, it's quite normal for this person to have a, mm. um, more than one seizure in a day, then I want to admit them or at least speak to a neurologist about them. Mm. I suppose I think that's that's uh, great advice, really. I think for and it's probably something I say to my students for think all chronic conditions. So whether it's epilepsy, asthma, uh, angina, you know, how is it normal for you? Everybody's is different, mm. and you know, is this how it is always for you? Versus, how, you know, is there a change and how has it changed? And um, I think you know, you spot on with talking about compliance. You know, are you taking your medicines? Have the medicines been changed recently as well? And then has that led to a deterioration? Um, I think also um, certainly something I've um, I've encountered with some of my patients is is um, never underestimate the the con- um, the interactions with other medicines. So sure. have they been started on something else by a GP an antibiotic for example? Yeah. And then when you look on the BNF, it says lowers seizure threshold and yeah. things like that. So yeah. that's always worth looking at as well. Yeah, any enzyme inhibitors that might mm. uh, increase your metabolism of, uh, of some of the mm. And I think some infections can as well lower the threshold. So as you said, it's all part of that. Excellent. Okay. Um, I think it also um, 
it's a, it's a great chance to get the patient on side. I mm. think patients, especially with patients with chronic conditions, love to be treated as experts in their own mm. condition. I think as soon as they come across somebody who's just like, oh, right, you know, oh, yeah, I know, I know about this, I'm not going to mm. listen to you, then they, they start to get quite upset. Whereas if you're sort of, you know, not only is it useful for your own history, you're getting the patient on side, mm. uh, which uh, can't be underestimated. Okay, um, so that's for our patients who are known to have epilepsy. Sure. What if, you know, you've got a young chap in front of you, a student from the university, not from around here, um, and has had their first seizure, and um, their friends have taken a f- footage of it on the phone, you're quite happy, it looks like it looks like a seizure. Yeah. What are we going to do? For, so, for the same approach as, as for yeah. our other ones, we've covered all of that, but what are we then going to do differently? Sure, um, so... Uh, like I say, we're, we're looking for an underlying cause. Um, again, one, uh, one paper I looked at 30%, uh, gave the number 30% of, uh, of seizures having an underlying cause. Um, mm. We mentioned before about um, you know, really going into that di- previous history. Is there anything that they've experienced before that could have been uh, a seizure, maybe even a partial seizure? Um, if it is a convincing story for a seizure, it's their first seizure, they're well, they've got family support. I think that's a really important thing, social history. You know, um, I'm fairly scared to send home someone who's you know not really got any social support network and lives on their own. And, mm. uh, I'm I'm pretty I, I don't really want to send them home. You know what if they have another seizure at home in the shower or something horrible like that. Um, but if they've got family support, they can probably go home. Uh, and most hospitals will have uh, arrangements for patients with first fits to see a neurologist. Mm. Uh, so at this point, nice guidelines is pretty vague. It says they should see a neurologist as soon as possible, uh, which I think allows for like local um, services to to design um, how they want to to implement that uh, as they sort of are best able. Um, so here at NUH, um, there's an online referral form for, mm. for a first fit clinic. I think that's probably the most common one I've, I've come across in the different hospitals I've worked in. Will be a, a first fit clinic and a way of, uh, of referring to that, whether that's a, an online form or a phone call or a fax a, a referral form to a particular number. Worth working out what your local uh, guidelines are. But the, the basic rule is that first, someone with a first seizure need to see a neurologist uh, as soon as, uh, well, relatively soon. Mm. Not so they need to be admitted, but they do need to, to have some kind of follow-up and they need to see a neurologist. Um, again, local guidelines vary. They might want you to order um, some imaging or an EEG possibly before they get to clinic. So again, like I say, worth being familiar with your own with local guidelines. Mm. Um, also worth before they go home, I think I, I try and go through some first aid with any relatives. Um, there's quite a lot of online resources, even if you don't have local hospital ones, that can give to relatives as sort of what to do if your if your friend or your your family member's having a seizure. Going through some of that first aid with them, uh, I, I definitely think that's worth doing. And again, that's part of uh, nice guidelines actually is to, mm. to go through first aid. And uh, those nice guidelines we're talking about are uh, CG one three seven and um, I'll dated February two thousand sixteen. Indeed, <laughs> uh, um, I'll put the link to that on on our Twitter and Facebook pages uh, for those of you to. I think the full guideline is six hundred and thirty two pages long. Yeah, I'd, rightly, I'd, I'd select just the, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the key guidance. I think on that one. There's a nice pathway as well, which is on the mm. again on the nice website, and I mm. found that a lot easier to navigate around, and it kind of mm. helps you to bypass some of the stuff that's either irrelevant to your situation mm. or, or looking at more specialist knowledge. Brilliant. I mean, uh, this is very specific for, for here at, uh, at NUH, um, but um, the the online referral kit, the tool for referring for first seizure clinic is very useful in that it also goes through some other key 
other differentials that you need to rule out. So it mentions, are they fully back to normal? Yeah. Uh, was there a head injury? What's their QTC like? Um, what, I um, you know, was there any lactic acidosis? So it, it's making, you know, and I think those things, because keep in my head, I think even if it wasn't at this trust, to think forward just to make sure you're happy and that, as you, so it's, you know, make sure you, you've not labelled that patient too prematurely and that you're happy. Sure. I think the other thing I'd say, uh, my other piece of advice would be don't be scared of phoning a neurologist. I mean, mm. if it is just uh, the most simple first seizure ever and the neurologist is going to say, well, you know, yeah, just first pick clinic, but, you know, at least you've got a neurologist saying that. And I don't, I don't, I, I think it'd be a very unusual neurologist that wouldn't want to, to receive any sort of phone calls about seizures ever. You know, it's, they're neurologists, they're <laughs> interested in these things. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, um, that first aid advice is is quite important as well uh, in, in in terms of you know this is this is what to do uh, and uh, try and avoid certain situations I always mention swimming yeah. uh, I've mentioned the bath as well yeah. uh, so potential you know, drowning scenarios in there and driving as well um, unfortunately uh, not to drive until they've had that neurology follow-up um, yeah. which I I think you know you have to be empathetic with I think certainly I would be very upset if somebody told me I yeah. couldn't drive um, and I think we sometimes we need to make sure we properly invest in that time with these yeah. patients I mean there's a good chance that uh, that they won't have epilepsy mm. um, supposedly if we all live to 80 then 10% of us will have had have a seizure during our life uh, and only 3% of us will actually turn out to have epilepsy so those so are good, good numbers to quote aren't they yeah, yeah. well you know I just uh, I like to have them written on my arm <laughs> when I'm doing podcasts. <laughs> so that so that's our patients who are all well, all is well in the world, you know, GCS 15, and, and we're quite happy. Okay, so, uh, you know, you were a teaching fellow, you're now uh, Rhesus, uh, you're now a registrar, so part of that role you are in Rhesus. I'm still in denial about this whole registrar thing. <laughs> you, you do marvellously. Um <laughs> So you're in recess and the red phone goes off. So this is yeah. the this is the phone from uh, from the ambulance crew bringing in a patient, um, or you know you're a registrar on on a on a medical ward and and the crash bleep has has, has been called yeah. and um, a patient is having a seizure and they are actively having a seizure. Yeah. And this patient is brought into recess, or they're there on the ward wherever you are, and they are seizing in front of you. So what's uh, what approach are you going to have? Well, I think if you can keep a cool head in this situation, Jamie, you're, uh, you're doing better than most healthcare professionals that I have worked with or have seen in the, in the past. I don't know what it is about seizures. I think it's just the fact that they're kind of immediate and active and you feel, gosh, I've really got to do something mm. now. And I think that puts every, you know, really puts, uh, puts the fear into people. I remember being in, I, when I was doing my ITU uh, um, stint, I uh, went to a, a, a call, just as you've described, on a ward with a patient who was was fitting you know being ITU we went for coffee first and got there about 15 minutes into the fit hoping that everything would have been sorted no I'm joking <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, but you know we arrived on the fit and there were there were a good sort of there was uh, the two med regs there was uh, two SHOs at least one of whom I knew quite well and I knew had had paces um, so so a lot of senior medics around and yet no one really seemed to have control of the situation and, and no one really seemed to be sure of what they're doing so uh, you know, it's worth saying that it is a sort of a scary thing, and mm. you know, if you do feel a bit scared with sort of having someone seize in front of you, it doesn't mean you're you're a bad doctor. I think that's 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 true for for all of us. Um, so I think you know, just take your time, take a breath, you know, and 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 try and think logically about it. Now, A to E, 
can never really go wrong. Slightly more difficult with a seizure, I think, because you get as far as A, and you're like, gosh, their teeth are clamped shut, there's blood coming from their mouth and their mm. foam, you know. <laughs> I just, <laughs> what do I do there? I can't even hold their airway open. Um, but, you know, that's not... I think you... I think you you can you can still do quite a lot you can put oxygen on mm. you can sort of try and make sure that you're happy that they are getting some air around entry in mm. um, and you can call in an estis if you um if early if you sort of if you are worried about their airway and just remember simple things you know so just standing there sitting there and just trying your best to, to hold their airway open um, mm. a good idea to get them on their side in case they're vomiting i think mm. that's, a, that's a good call you could try an, an MPA airway if you, yeah. you, you can't get the mouth open. Or, yeah. Obviously, yeah. in the absence of head injury, obviously. But yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think, uh, it's, sorry, uh, but uh, there will, tends to be a degree of cyanosis in, in patients with, yes. a, with a, having a big seizure. So it's yeah. to, to be expected that you, you will see a, yeah. that cyanosis until you start that oxygen. If you get them on their side, put an oxygen mask on, think about an azopharyngeal airway. I think you've done probably better than a, a lot of that I've seen so try and keep a cool head take a breath focus on the airway yeah I think I think you've done an awful lot there okay. another top tip I've got I've got uh, something actually uh, a nursing colleague uh, used to do and uh, something I've taken on just because I find it very useful start a timer there's timers on a lot of our monitors most of us have our, have uh, smartphones in our pockets start a timer on that so useful to know how long the seizure's been going on for you know that's that's such a key detail it's just something you know from when you're taking your own history mm. um and yet you realize just you know when you're in a panic that time seems to really sort of you don't slow down you don't know how long it's you know how long you've actually been there seizing so if you've got that objective oh right so they've only been seizing for two minutes it feels like an eternity but <laughs> actually it's only, it's only two minutes uh then you know that, that's that's a really useful thing to know um, start should. thinking ahead um, mm. so uh, what are you going to need after after five minutes I think that's probably the right time to be thinking about drugs um, so in the sort of time running up to five minutes you can you know most most likely the seizure will finish but why not start getting um, the benzodiazepines ready get the lomazepam mm. ready if they've got IV access try and get IV access if they don't have IV access mm. you have been done in, someone in a moving target flailing yes. around but you know that's what we that's what we're emergency medics <laughs> and acute medics for Jamie that's uh, this week absolutely we like to make things difficult for ourselves <laughs> yeah two man job to try and uh, cannulate a season paper. <laughs> uh, and so so you mentioned the, so five minutes and then it's benzodiazepine the the the, uh, the core sort of area we're going to go on uh, for treatment there yeah absolutely so um IV lorazepam is the best and you know hopefully we're we're in a, in a hospital we've got well I've had the chance to get the uh, IV access if it really is a struggle or if you're in the community and um, then the options are uh, PR diazepam 10 milligrams or a uh, buccal midazolam uh, and they usually come in pre-prepared and um, things so you don't even have to remember the dose necessarily but it's usually three milligrams okay um, okay, so I, mean, I suppose it's important to remember that the vast majority will spontaneously terminate themselves Absolutely. without you needing uh, pharmacological um, assistance in that. Yep. Okay, um, so that's sort of the, the acute management of, of somebody having an active seizure in front of us. And so, so then we come on to a, an, another phenomenon that I think you know might come up in exams mm -hmm. and is important to to think about, and that's um, status epilepticus. You point out you have no inside knowledge of what's coming up in exam. <laughs> <laughs> I have no knowledge of what's coming up in the exam, but um, yeah, is, is, yeah, status epilepticus. You know, what is it, and, and what do we do about it? Sure. Um, again talk about um, seizures being scary you know a seizure that carries on going is, is, is even more scary uh, so 
definition of state circular electric is, is basically